Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Today, we're going to talk about Jesus. He's going to leave the parade, and he's going to go to the prayer garden. And as he goes to the prayer garden, he's going to give up celebrity status to die a criminal's death. And as I was shaving this morning uh, and talking to Jesus, I said, Jesus, I want to thank you for giving up celebrity status to die a criminal's death. But I need to tell you, I probably wouldn't have done that for you. And I felt like the Lord said, I know, Kelly, and I did it for you anyway. And as we talk today, I don't want you to receive this from a place of guilt, okay? Yes, all of us are guilty of sin. But I want you to receive this from the place in which Jesus intended it to come from and go to, and that is the place of his love for you. Jesus Christ loves you whether you choose to accept him or not. Jesus Christ is for you whether you choose to accept him or not. And he gave his life for every one of us, and he died a criminal's death so that you and I could have hope for eternal life. Amen? And so we say thank you, Jesus. We say thank you, Jesus. In the highest moment of your life, you decided to leave that parade and go to the garden of prayer and to begin to prepare yourself to give up celebrity status to die a criminal's death. I want to invite you today to take your program, your Bible, or your internet device. I want to welcome the families online, all the platforms online. I want to thank you for being with us today in person or online. And we are excited to celebrate uh, this week with you as we step into this moment of hearing Hosanna and yet at the same time understanding the sacrifice that Jesus is going to make. Look at Matthew chapter 21, verse 1. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, and they came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, I want you to go into the village in front of you, and immediately you're going to find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Now, untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them. And he'll send them at once. And they took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble, mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, they put them on their cloaks, excuse me, they put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. 
Now, most of the crowd was spread, uh, most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna, son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? The crowd said, you ready? This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. So Jesus gets the red carpet rolled out for him. And instead of doing a photo shoot, he goes into the greatest prayer moment of his life. He enters into the greatest sorrow of his life. And we're going to see that triumph turns to tragedy very quickly. And by the way, it will in your life as well. And I know you will experience this. You will have triumph in your life and everybody will see that. Then you'll have tragedy, and few will see that. And God will take both. We talked about this last week. God will take both to create the platform that he has for your life to fulfill the calling that he's given you. Now, this world, if you don't already know it, will turn on you quickly. It will turn on you quickly and and attempt to destroy you. It's what I like to call the Britney Spears factor, right? We will make you great, and then we will destroy you in the process. The world tends to do that. The world loves heroes, and then the world loves to destroy those heroes. Now look at Matthew 26, 31. Jesus said to them, you'll all fall away because of me this night. For it is written... I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I'm going to go before you to Galilee. Now, if you were seated with Jesus and you all had hung out for three and a half years and he says to you, you're going to abandon me. Wait, Lord, what? If Jesus just in, you know, Casual conversation, but in the context of this final dinner together, which you didn't know it was final at the moment, but now you're finding out. And Jesus says, hey, I just want to give you a heads up. You're going to desert me. I want you to think about that emotion. I want you to think about what your response would be to Jesus. As I said to Jesus this morning, I go, you know what? I wouldn't do for you what you did for me. I, I, I know that. I know that. I don't love you like you love me. And we talked about this in our all-staff meeting uh, this past week is so many people struggle with the love of God. I don't. I never have. I've never struggled to believe that God loves me. You go, really? That's the truth. But I struggle a lot with whether I love him. And it's so interesting to me that so many of us do not, do not believe that God loves us. But sometimes I think we give ourselves a little too much credit that we love him. And the truth is, the tension point is not that Jesus doesn't love us. It's do we really love him? Do we really love Jesus the way Jesus loves us? And I want you to know that I'm growing in that but I'm not there. I'm not there. So look at verse 33. Look at how Peter responds. And I don't blame him. 
But Peter answered Jesus. Here's what he said. Though they all fall away because of you, I never will fall away. You can always count on me, Jesus. Everybody else is going to abandon you. Everybody else is a loser. I'm not. And sometimes in our lives, we can look around at everybody else and go, wow, it looks like, looks like really I'm the only one that loves Jesus in this world. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful drinking too much of that Kool-Aid. Because you might not love him as much as you think you do. And there may be people that actually love him more than you do. And they might not be as well known, and they may not have a platform, and they may not have this, and they may not have that, but they have a sincerity for their God in a way that all of us could benefit from. And Peter said, I won't ever leave you like everybody else. Nope. And Jesus said to him, these are tough moments here. And truly, I tell you this very night, Peter, before the rooster crows, here in just a little bit, by the way, you're not just going to deny me once. You're going to, before this day is over, you're going to deny me three times. Now, imagine how hurtful that was for Peter. I mean, Peter's like, never, Lord. And the Lord says, never's coming today, Peter, three times. I mean, think about that. Think about what this day was like for Peter. Look at what Peter says. I love this. And this would be my personality type too. He double downs. He double downs on, uh, double down on it. He says, even if I must die with you, I'll, I'll not deny you. It doesn't matter what it's going to cost me, Lord. I ain't ever going to leave you. And by the way, all the disciples said the same thing. So look at verse 36. So then Jesus went with him to the place called Gethsemane and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Jesus, through his geographical distancing here, is letting the disciples know he's getting ready to go through something they can't handle. And talking with him, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. So what can we learn from Jesus' prayer life? Number one, practice prayer not as your last resort, but your only resort. Practice prayer not as your last resort, but your only resort. I have to be honest. A lot of times in my life, uh, and I'll, I'll be walking around my office and I'll be saying, I don't know if I can take this, Lord. I don't know if I can handle this. And, and then something pops into my head. It goes like this. Well, why don't you pray about it? Yeah. And why didn't I think of that like five hours ago? Because if I'm honest, prayer tends to be the last resort in my life, not my only resort. And see, if prayer is my only resort, then that's where I start. If prayer is my last resort, then that's where I end up. Now, by the way, as long as prayer eventually is your resort, that's really important. But it's better when it can move up in priority and when something occurs. And so I know this will sound really irritating, But when people are going through things, I will say to them, depending on how well I know them, I will say to them, have you prayed about it? And a lot of us as Christians go, well, of course, 
I haven't. So I will. And for whatever reason, when we experience excessive sorrow, defeat, and hopelessness in our lives, we get amnesia about prayer. I mean, we literally just lose our minds over it, and we go, I don't know what I'm going to do. The Lord says, well, why don't you talk to me about it? Why don't you talk to me about it? Why don't you talk to me about it? Now look at verse 39. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed. And here's what he said, my father, if it be possible, let this cup, this cup of sorrow, this cup of death, this cup of suffering, let this cup pass from me. So what do we learn from Jesus' prayer life? Number two, share your honest desires through prayer. Share your honest desires through prayer. Don't sit around and go, I wonder what the Lord would like for me to say. That's not going to help you. That's not going to help you. When you start praying to God, your prayers are going to be very raw. And by the way, Jesus didn't die just for your good feelings. Jesus died so that you could talk to him about your real life. And so here's my challenge to you. Do you talk to Jesus about what's really going on in your life? And if you do, which I find interesting, if you don't talk to Jesus, the devil makes you feel like your life is completely out of control and you'll never have any hope. But if you talk to Jesus about the struggles in your life, the devil will tell you something like this. Is that really what you're worried about? See, when you don't talk to God, he makes your problems big. And when you do talk to God, he tries to minimize you and make you feel small that you talk to somebody about him. Now, he ain't going to give up. He ain't going to give in. He's good at his job. And he wants you to fail. He's not for your victory. Contrary to what I saw a Christian say on Facebook just a few weeks ago, that the devil's for your victory. He's not. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay? Let's, let's, let's be clear on his agenda. He's not for you. He's never been for you, and he never will be for you. He's not for your victory. But it's important that you understand that as he, as he chirps in your ear, you've got two options. You can be overwhelmed by your life, or he can try to make you belittle you about what you talk to God about. Listen to me. There is nothing too small to talk to God about. So when you wake up in the night, and you're fretting, and you're, and you're full of anxiety, and you're, you're full of whatever you're dealing with, do not listen to the voice that says, God's busy. You don't want to hear what you have to say. Just assume this. If you're awake at night, God wants to hear what you have to say. Talk to him. Tell him. You say, I've already told him. He doesn't care. He likes to hear the same thing all over again. Listen to him. Talk to him. God does not get bored with you and what you have to say to him. Talk to him. It's, o it's okay to tell him what you're feeling. Then what? Well, look at verse 39b. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. It's really important that once you, pardon my frankness, but once you puke out everything you feel to God, at some point you have to then say, Lord, thank you for listening to me. Thank you for joining me in this. 
And now I want to say to you, not what I want, but what you want. At some point in your life, you'll have to say, God, this is not what I wanted for my life. But if whatever by your sovereign grace, you can get more glory through it, then so be it. I accept it. I accept it. I may not like it. I may not understand it, but I accept it. And so principle number three, what do we learn from Jesus' prayer life? You submit yourself to him through prayer. You submit yourself to him through prayer. Someone said this past week, Kelly, I want to believe that scripture that I'm one of the ones that I put on social media, but I'm in a very dark place. And my response back to him was, invite Jesus to join you in that dark place. See, there is no place in your life that Jesus doesn't want to go. There is no conversation that he's afraid to have with you. There is no sorrow too great that he can't bear it with you. And it's really important before you run around and try to find another human being to make you feel better about yourself, that you actually talk to God and say, God, I want you to hear this first. 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 Jesus wants you to have friends, but he wants to be your best friend. He doesn't want anybody taking that spot not even your spouse. He wants to be your best friend. So look at verse 40. Now he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, could you not watch with me one hour? I mean, it's a tough day for Peter, right? You're going to deny me three times. No, no, I'd die. No, you're going to, you're just hearing a little bit. You're going you're gonna to act like you don't even know who I am. I bet that was stunning to Peter. I would say, what, Jesus? Could you say that again? In just a little while, you're going to act like you don't even know who I am. And I'm sure Peter was dazed by that. And then here he is. He's fallen asleep. And Jesus wakes him up and says, hey. Hey. Could you not pray with me for one hour? Now, many years ago, um, John Ellsbury and I, we pray together every Tuesday. John's our care pastor here. And a few years ago, when my office was still where Donnell and Jenny's offices are now, I, um, I remember John starting to pray. And then the next thing I, I remember is, Kelly, like, yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. And it was John waking me up after he got done praying, and it was my turn to pray. Now, in all fairness, John prays for a long time, all right? And anybody who knows, I mean, he was in the first, anybody that knows John, it's like, whoo, you know, that man can pray, all right? He must have been born praying, I don't know. But I walk around now. Every time when John gets ready to pray and we pray together, I just get up and walk around. So whatever you need to do, because prayer tends to make me tired. Okay, and, and one of the best medicines to go back to sleep at night is just to start praying because the enemy's like, put him back to sleep. Nobody needs to hear that. So just pray. 
You'll be amazed how much better you sleep when, you, when your prayer life increases. Look at verse 41. Watch and pray that you may not enter in temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, yes, but the flesh is weak. Amen. So number, number four, realize prayer is hard work. It really is. It's hard work. It's some of the hardest work. And I'll tip my hat a little bit. Sometimes I don't like to pray because I'm afraid that if I do, I'm going to feel worse than I already felt before I prayed. Because not only is the situation not going to change, but I'm also going to have to acknowledge that I'm completely out of control of it. And I don't know about you, but I don't wake up and go, I can't wait to see how I can appear out of control and be out of control in the course of a day. Like, that's very difficult. It's very challenging. And prayer by nature is admitting that you can't change it, but God can. And prayer by nature is a willingness to trust. So look at verse 42. And again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. It's okay to make sure that something that you're having to suffer through is actually the Lord's will. Not everything is, by the way. So number five, agree with God's will through prayer. And again, verse 43, he came and he found them sleeping. Their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and he prayed for the third time. And here's what he said, same words again. Did you catch that? It's okay to pray the same thing. Jesus did it three times. He came to the disciples and he said to them, sleep. Take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed in the hands of sinners. Rise and let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. While he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests, the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man. And seize him. And he came up to Jesus and said, greetings, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And Jesus said, and I would not be able to say this, friend, do what you came to do. And then they came up and they laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand, drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest, cut off his ear. And Jesus said to him, put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he'll at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? So how do you, what do we learn from Jesus' prayer life? You act on the truth revealed to you through prayer. You act on the truth revealed to you through prayer. It was clear that God had asked him to do this. God the Father had asked him to do this. See, all of us can look at Judas. We can look at Peter, Peter's denial, Judas' betrayal, Judas' kiss. And if we're not careful, we can all look at the people who've hurt us and we can say, my life has turned out this way because of all the pain everybody else has caused me. But Jesus didn't do that. Instead, Jesus looked at the pain of his life 
and saw it through the lens of the sovereign hand of God's grace. And he believed that God used the pain of his life to propel him to fulfill his purpose for why he was on planet Earth. And you get to choose. You get to decide whether you're a victim that has been harmed by somebody, and so you talk to God about all those people who've harmed you. Or you say, Lord, you know what these people have done to me, but I trust that you're sovereign, and somehow, some way, you're going to use all of that to accomplish why you put me here. Those are really the only options. And all of us, we go, well, you know, I don't see how God has anything to do with that and how God has anything to do with that. Well, wait, let's just pick one verse. All things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Well, yeah, but he's not referring to that. Okay, I'm not going to argue with you, but he is. Whatever it is that you think is the definement of your life that has limited your existence. That's the very thing God wants to use to propel you to the purpose for which he put you here for the first place to accomplish. So what is that? What is the, the themes of your life that is difficult for you to process and accept? And what truth do you need to act on that he's revealed to you through prayer See, it's not enough just to submit. You have to act. And when you act, it's scary. And when, and when you act and it's scary, it's scary because there's a risk involved. And the risk may cost you just as it cost Jesus. What did it cost him? Well, it cost him ultimately his relationships. But look at what it cost him here immediately. Verse 55, and at that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day, I sat in the temple teaching. You didn't seize me. But all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him. They abandoned him. And they fled. They fled. Now, you know some of the first words that Jesus spoke when he was resurrected was, go tell the disciples, and who? Peter. I want to see him. I want to see him. It's remarkable to me that Jesus said to Peter, in just a little bit, you're going to forget you even know me. You're going to fail. Now, if I were Peter, I would have said to Jesus, well, why don't you help me here? Why don't you tell me how not to fail? But see, that's not Jesus' goal for your life. Jesus' goal for your life is not for you to be perfect and never fail. Jesus' goal for your life, and there's no excuse for sin, but stay with me. Jesus' goal for your life is for you to understand that after you fail, he still wants you. Amen. Amen. And if you are holding your past failings against you, it's you that's doing that. It's not Jesus. It's not Jesus. It's not Jesus. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you that Jesus loves you more than you will have the human capacity to understand in this life. 
It will take us an eternity to grasp, comprehend, and experience all the love that God has for us. And when somebody says, what are we going to do all that time up in heaven? We're going to be loved. We're going to be loved. We're going to experience everything that we wish this life could have been. And I want to encourage you that whatever sacrifices, sorrow, and suffering that you have to carry in this life, you will be blessed in those areas in eternity. And you will experience the love of God in a way in those areas that maybe in this life you don't understand. And therefore, you can't let yourself experience. May God give us the grace to understand that sometimes, 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 we just have to trust that he loves us even if we don't get it. And it ain't about does he love us. This life is all about do we love him. Amen? This life is not about deciding whether he loves us. He's already made that clear. This life is about us deciding. Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.